Praise the one who set me free. Amen. I hope that's your testimony today. That, that Jesus Christ is a God of freedom. Uh, you know what? Freedom means freedom. There's no other way to put it. That our living hope has set us free. And that is good news for you and I today. And I pray that over you each and every week. That you would walk in his freedom. Well, I was recently in Portland, Oregon this past week, and I had a cool opportunity uh, to visit one of the church plants that we helped support and and help plant out there, Remedy City Church. Uh, Pastor Josh Carter is a good friend of mine, and we were doing a vision tour, seeing the city and seeing about all that God is doing out there, and he took us to the largest bookstore in the nation that's actually in Portland, Oregon. It's called Powell's Bookstore, and one of the things that I thought was interesting while we were there at Powell's was I, I, I stopped right when I walked into the store, and I noticed that right in the front they had the nation's top 50 books um, that, are, that are out today. And as I was looking at the different titles of these 50 different books that were the bestsellers and the most popular, etc., I noticed that the, the number one book right now has to do with untangling the things that go on in our brain. And I thought that it was interesting that the number one thing people want to read about right now, at least according to sales in this large bookstore, has to do with our thinking. The number 10 book on the list was called Mindfulness and how meditation helps our thinking. The number 11 book on the shelf was called How to Change Your Mind and how science can tell us all about our conscience. The number 30 book um, featured was called How Emotions Are Made giving insight into the secret life of the brain. The number 32 book was called Thinking, Both Fast and Slow. That, that was just five of the books that caught my attention. I, and you know what? It hit me. I said, man, people are really concerned with how we think. And not only is that true in our culture today, but it's true when it comes to our God in the Bible. That God cares about our thinking, that God cares about our minds, that God cares about what we think about, what comes into our minds, is what goes into our heart, and what goes into our heart is what comes out of us, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think in our culture today, we would say, out of the overflow of the heart, the hand tweets, <laughs> right? Um, the, 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 the mind matters. And and that's true because it matters to God, and and, and that's on display for our culture today. So we're in this new series that we've titled New State of Mind, New State of Mind, this idea that when we're in Christ, when you're a believer and follower of the Lord Jesus, that we get a whole new creation. We get a whole new uh, uh, mind, a a whole new heart, a whole whole new life, a whole new destiny, A, a new creature, come on, right, with new features, And one of those new features is this new mind that we've been given in Christ. So we're talking about what this new state of mind looks like. On week number one, we talked about thinking new. Thinking new. So just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about what does it look like to think new? And why does God call us to think new? In Romans chapter 12, specifically in verse 2, the text says it like this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but, everybody say but, but let God transform you into a new person. Now, maybe you would be asked, like, man, that sounds good. How does that happen? 
by changing the way you think. Some translations say by renewing your mind. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I think some of us are in that place. You're in that season where you're like, man, I really, 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 really want to know God's will for my life. I want to know what his will is for me because I want to walk in his will. And Maybe that's where you're at today. And, and what you can know is this. You got to change your thinking if you want to know his will. Right? His ways are not your ways. His mind is not your mind, but it can be. If you receive him and believe him and get to know him, you'll start thinking new. Right? Last week, Pastor Gary brought a, a challenging word that titled, Think Kingdom. Think kingdom. Was that a good word? Did y'all enjoy Pastor Gary bringing it strong? If you missed it, it's online. Go to walkchurch.com or download the Walk Church app and hit sermons, and you'll be able to locate it right there. But it was challenging word about following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, and that has to do with thinking kingdom. So thinking new and thinking kingdom, that phrase, think kingdom, flowed directly out of Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Just to refresh a little bit, now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the, say it with me, kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is saying, have a kingdom state of mind. Think new. Think kingdom. But as I was looking at these verses, I realized this. And Pastor Gary started it, and I want to take it into another step today. That in order to think kingdom, you have to think gospel. Amen? Like If we look back at that verse just really quick, it says this. The time is at fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent means to change your thinking and think gospel and believe in the gospel. In other words, have a gospel state of mind. The kingdom state of mind leads to a gospel state of mind. I want to talk about that. I want to use that as a title for today's message with this third installment in our new state of mind series. I want to talk about what it looks like and what it means to think gospel, to, to think gospel. What, what is the gospel? What it, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it has become this cliche Christian word. I can imagine that if I grabbed five random people and said, what is the gospel? That I would probably get five different answers. Some of you would say, oh, gospel, that's a music genre. You know, gospel music, right? Some of y'all was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I love, I love gospel. <laughs> Some of you may say gospel is the category that contains the first four books in the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the gospel books. Some of you would use the phrase gospel maybe as an adjective to define what you're saying is to be true. I remember one time a person was trying to tell me that what they're saying is the truth. I promise you what I'm saying is truth. They said, man, it's gospel truth. I was like, no, it's not. That has nothing, the gospel had nothing to do with it. You just are trying to affirm what you're saying. So let, let's ask the question. Let's put the Bible on display. Let's bring the Bible to the stand and say, God, who speaks to us through his word, what is the gospel? 
And how can you and I this morning at Walk Church, or maybe those who are watching this online, or maybe you'd revisit this at some point in a discipleship-specific group, and you're asking this question, what is the gospel? I want us to talk about what is the gospel today and how that transforms our thinking. The gospel is actually found in the Bible 91 times, this phrase, gospel. It's the Greek word evangelion. It's where we get our, our, our English word evangelical or evangelism. So some people would refer to Christians as evangelicals. What they're saying there is we're people of the gospel. We're people that believe the gospel, understand the gospel, embrace the gospel, and think gospel. When it comes to gospel, I, as well as many, including those in the Bible, would argue that the gospel, this message that's highlighted 91 times in the Bible, this evangelion, this gospel message, deserves our full attention. That the gospel, in order to think it, deserves our entire focus. I think some have erroneously moved on into thinking this false framework. I remember having a Christian leader tell it to me after a conference. I went to a conference the whole day. I didn't hear a thing about the gospel. I heard a whole lot about other things. And I went up to one of the leaders afterwards and I said, man, you know what? I think, you know, not to be super critical and negative, but I didn't hear too much about the gospel today and I, I needed that today. And they said, well, man, you've moved on from the gospel. You've got to move on into deeper things. And I realized that that's not the correct thinking. That's not the biblical thinking. I love how Tim Keller exposes this in one of his books. He says, the gospel is not just the ABC of the Christian life, but the A to Z of the Christian life. Amen? That the gospel is not something that you know, we receive when we get saved and then we move on into deeper things. The gospel is actually who we are. C.J. Mahaney is a pastor who wrote an awesome book called The Cross-Centered Life. Here's one of the things that he writes in his book that I think is helpful for us today. He says, if there's anything in life that we should be passionate about, it's the gospel. And I don't mean passionate only about sharing it with others. I mean passionate in our thinking, amen? Thinking about it, dwelling on it, rejoicing in it, allowing it to color the way we look at the world. It's the gospel message, if any message at all, that we should be passionate about. The gospel, by definition, means good news. Evangelion means something that was of newsworthy, and it was very, very good. Some people have went on to think that the gospel is good advice. It's not. The gospel is a good suggestion. It's not. The gospel is a good recommendation. It's, it's not. The gospel is actually front, headline, bold, double click on it, tap on it, highlight it, good news. Like you open the news section and it says breaking the gospel. Good news for you and I today. I want to talk about what this good news is and how it, it transforms our thinking. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry for the gospel today, say let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. God, I pray that you would speak to us now as we unfold your word. Help us to think gospel. Jesus Christ, our living hope, in your name, amen. Amen. It's interesting. This is probably going to be the first point of all the sermons, so I'm just getting you ready for this. But in order for us to think gospel, the first thing that you have to do 
is think Jesus. Think Jesus. We talked about on week one, what does it mean to think new? Well, it means to think Jesus. What does it mean to think kingdom? Well, it means to think Jesus. What does it mean to think gospel? It means think Jesus. The early reformer John Calvin said the whole gospel is contained in Christ. The whole gospel. That Christ is the gospel. The good news message cannot be divorced from Jesus. The gospel is to think Jesus. Thinking Jesus should be an ever-present reality and reminder that you and I are in desperate need of a Savior, the glorious truth of the gospel. The gospel, when you think about who Jesus is, you start to think about who, who he was, born of a virgin, right? As Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 talks about how God would one day send a Messiah, a Meshua, a Christ, a Savior, and he would be born of a virgin. Well, when you start thinking Jesus, you start to see that prophecy revealed to us in Matthew chapter 1. As the angel appears to Joseph and Mary and says, you will give birth to a baby, and Mary says, I'm just a virgin. How's that going to happen? He says, it's going to be a miraculous birth. You're the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, and he'll, he'll be called Jesus, which means Savior, and he'll give him a nickname as well. How many of you guys know that God is a God? He'll give you a nickname even, right? And he gives Jesus a nickname. Does anybody know it? It's Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, right? Thinking Jesus is this really cool reminder that God is with us. I don't know about you, but all throughout my week, all throughout my day, brother, sister, I have to remind myself that he's with me. I mean, just, just two minutes ago, I had to tell myself he's with me right now. That transforms my thinking. When you think Jesus, you start to think, I'm not alone in this thing. That the Emmanuel is with me. Jesus says, behold, I will be with you till the end of the age. But not only is he with us, but for the Christian in the house today, he's in us. I mean, this goes super deep. That, that Jesus even moves we gotta, we got to do some house rules. If two people clap, we all clap, all right? Come on. I'm going to start clapping. Look, look, house rules. He, Jesus is so good that he moves. This is, this is gospel here. The gospel, this good news message is because sometimes you're like, Jesus, I don't need you just with me. I need you in me. My, inside, my thinking's messed up. My heart is sick. I need you in me. And praise God that he is in us when we call upon his name. Dr. Major Ian Thomas wrote a book called The Christ Life. He says, all of Christ in all of you. You can never have more. You never need less. Amen? All of Christ, all of Christ. The whole gospel is contained in Christ. All of Christ in all of you. You never have more than that, but you never need less than that. If you have Jesus, you move from just being separated from God, but to being in Christ. Let me give you some ways on what it looks like to think Jesus. First off, thinking Jesus is recognizing that you are a sinner against a holy God. See, God has no reason to send his son Jesus, born of a virgin, into this sinful, wicked, nasty earth. People think today's bad, like our culture today's bad. Go 2,000 years ago to Rome. It was a lot worse. Like, you think the news is bad? bad today. Go to Jerusalem and walk down the street and see people on crosses. God's like, I'm going to send my son into that world. Amen? Like, 
the, the Bible, the, the mess of today is not surprising to God. The mess today is actually light compared to the biblical mess that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so God says, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to send the gospel. I'm going to send the evangel. I'm going to send my son Jesus, Yahshua, born of a virgin, into this small city of Nazareth. What good could come out of Nazareth? Jesus. What good could come out of Las Vegas? Jesus, right? God is on display in this city, in this church, through the gospel. And the reality is that we need to recognize that we are all sinners against the holy God. Thinking Jesus reminds you, man, I need to be saved. I need to recognize I'm a sinner, that all have sinned and fallen short against God, that all of us have, have a descendant in our great-great-great-great-grandfather, Adam, who, f- who failed in the garden, and Eve, who failed in the garden, and we're now born into their family, and so we can thank them in heaven one day for choosing to eat that fruit and enter sin into the world, and now we need to recognize that we're sinners against a holy God. Let me give you the second point that we need to recognize when we think Jesus, that we have been separated from the very presence of God. So not only are we sinners against a holy God, we're separated from the very presence of God because God says, I'm not gonna allow sin into my presence, right? Actually, it goes deeper than that. In Isaiah chapter 43, God says, hey, you're gonna pray, and I'm not even gonna listen because I'm not gonna have you in my presence presence. You need a mediator. You need a holy savior. His name's Jesus. The third thing that you got to recognize when you think Jesus is this. You're a sinner against the holy God. You're separated from the presence of God. You're sunken under the wrath of almighty God. Before you can ever appreciate the good news, you have to recognize the bad news. This is bad news that God is a holy, righteous judge who is wrathful Uh, because of sin that has disobeyed his righteous decree. So all of us have belittled God by saying, God, I know better than you. God, I, I got this figured out. God, I don't need you. God, I don't trust you. God, I got a better path. I got a better plan. And God says, my wrath will be towards you. I'm gonna let you do it. And go ahead and fail miserably, and hopefully you'll come back and recognize, I made you. I know you. My will for you. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. So we need to recognize when we think Jesus. All right, I'm thinking Jesus. Man, I'm a sinner. I'm separated. I'm sunken. Let me give you the fourth thing that you got to recognize. You're sentenced. You're sentenced to an eternity apart from God in a place called hell, a place called Hades for those who aren't in Christ, this bad news reality is on display. Separated, sunken, sentenced, set apart. The gospel teaches us that the wages of our sin is death. That there's a payment. Does anybody like payday? Right? Anybody love to get a deposit, a payment? You don't want this payday, right? Because our, our sin has worked up wages, and it equals death. Our payment is death. So here's our four places. Thinking Jesus is recognizing, one, you're, I'm a sinner against a holy God. Two, I've been separated from the presence of God. Three, I'm sunken under the wrath of God. Four, I'm sentenced to an eternity apart from God. But let me give you the fifth reality when you think Jesus. Here's the fifth reality. But you've been saved by the very Son of God, Jesus. Amen? 
oh my goodness, this is good news, right? I mean, there was once a time where this was it. Like, hey, Hyden, why is your, your head low? Well, I've been separated from God. I've been sentenced to eternity apart from God. I'm sunken under the wrath of God. I'm a sinner against the holy God. Why do I even lift my head? Let me tell you the good news. That God said, I don't want that to be your destiny, so I'm going to do what you can't do. The calling on your life is to live perfect. You can't escape it. We're all called to perfection. The reality is we're a lot like Adam. We're a lot like Eve. We can't live perfect. But God said, I'm going to do what you can't do. I'm going to send my son who is perfect. He's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to live 33 years. He's going to be tempted by all sin, but he's never going to give in to sin. And then what he's going to do is he's going to take your payment, your sunken place. He's going to go up on the cross. God is going to release all of his wrath on his son, Jesus, he's going to bear the weight of all of our sin and shame and guilt and past. He's going to take all four of these on his back. He's going to go into the grave. He's going to blast out of the grave three days later and say, everybody who believes in me shall be saved. Amen? Come on. Come on. I hope that's your testimony. That's when you, all of a sudden you go, you look up. Why you got a pep in your step at work? Why, do you, why are you different today? Why are, you, why are you a changed person? Let me tell you something. I was, all, I was four for four. Now I'm five for five, right? All four of those things are still true, but they're all washed by the blood of Jesus. He is our living hope. So when you think Jesus, you start thinking Jesus, you start thinking, man, I'm convicted like crazy and yet comforted at the same time. Because I'm saved. Who are you saved from? You're saved from God. <laughs> and you're saved to God. How, 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 how good news is that? That Jesus saves us. That's the gospel. That, that requires thinking differently. I mentioned this book. We're going to have copies of it next week for sale, The Cross-Centered Life. It's a little book by C.J. Mahaney. It transformed my thinking. He says it like this. C.J. says, he says, to grow in uh, your passion for what Jesus has done, maybe you want to do that. Maybe you really want to think Jesus. You're like, you know what? I want to grow in my understanding of what Jesus has done. Never be content with your grasp of the gospel. The gospel is life-permeating, world-altering, universe-changing truth. It has more facets than any diamond. Its depths man will never exhaust. So we don't grow apart from the gospel, amen? We grow deeper into the gospel. That, that's our story. We're people of this good news, people of the gospel. We just keep, we just keep growing deeper and drowning in this grace of God that's found in this good news. That's what it looks like to think Jesus. I want to go deeper. What does it mean to think? Think gospel means to think Jesus. Second, it means to think cross. To, to, to think cross. That on a daily basis, I think we would do well, brother, sister, family, friend, it, we, you would do well if on the daily basis you thought about the cross. You just took a moment. Maybe you had an alarm went off on your phone. What is it? What is it? Oh, think about the cross. <laughs> think about the cross. CJ says it like this in another place. He says, the cross-centered life 
is made by cross-centered days. If you want a cross-centered life where, where Jesus is in every aspect of your life, here's how that's made up of. It's made up of cross-centered days. It's on the daily basis reminding yourself of all five of those points. Because at the cross, at the cross, is where Jesus died for me. You know what? I, I can imagine that it would be borderline impossible to go to the cross and see Jesus Christ, the God-man, hanging from the tree, bloody, nail-pierced hands and feet, and, and me be there and be like, I'm going to be prideful. I think it's in that moment that I'm thinking, I can't be prideful anymore. You know what? I'm looking at Jesus on the cross. I'm going to think about lust. No. I'm going to think about stealing something. No. I'm going to think about being angry and slandering somebody behind their back. No. And when you're thinking about the cross, that changes the way you think, doesn't it? When you're reminded of the sacrificial Savior, changes everything about us. The Apostle Paul, when he got saved, he became a cross-centered, gospel-thinking man. I want to show it to you. He says it like this to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, look, I came to the Corinthian church. It's a city called Corinth. And he said, here's really what I want to talk to you about, Corinthians. I want to talk to you all about the cross. I want to talk to you about how Jesus died on the cross. I want to talk to you about how Jesus shed his blood on the cross. Because if you really understand the cross, that'll change the way you live. That'll change the way you think. Paul later says to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 6, he says, as for me, walk church family, I don't know about you. But as for me, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is what Paul says. Paul says, I got about 100 things to boast about. In some of his letters, he actually does do a little bit of boasting, right? He can't contain it. He's like, I want to boast for a second. But then he goes back and he says, it's nothing compared to the cross. A boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, listen. When Jesus died on the cross, when I put my faith in him, I died too. Like my old nature died too. And on a daily basis, I got to take up my own cross. And I have to die and deny myself so that all of Christ can live in all of me. That's the gospel. Anything less than that is a half gospel, which is no gospel. There's no such thing as like an altered gospel. There's no such thing as like a cheap gospel different gospel. If you change the gospel at all, you have no gospel at all. So let's not take away from it, amen, and let's definitely not add to it. We don't add nothing to the gospel. Jesus on the cross, think cross, is thinking it's finished. The last thing that Jesus said, right, outside of I, I, I commit my spirit to you, he says this, it is finished. What is Jesus? Is he lying? Is he making stuff up? Is he like, well, it's almost finished. Does he need to come back and do more to finish it like maybe the Mormon faith would teach? No. Jesus says, it is finished. So it's not our job to take away from that or add to it. It's to trust it and to say, Jesus, that's gospel truth. Amen. It is finished. Think 
cross. Let me give you the third point on how to, how to think gospel. To think resurrection. To think resurrection. Paul writes to the Corinthian church again. The Corinthian church is a lot like Walk Church. We needed a lot of writing to. We need some help. I do, at least. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4, Paul says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. I'm not looking for vain preaching or vain faith. I want alive preaching and alive faith. Amen? And, and what he's saying there is if Jesus would have stayed dead in the grave, then he would have taken all of our sin on him and he would have died and the, the, the check would have never been cashed. It never cleared. The resurrection is God saying, I'm pleased with that payment. I accept his death as the final payment for our sin. Jesus rises from the grave confirming and affirming that you and I can really, really and truly be saved. Saved from our sin, saved from our death, saved from the wrath of Almighty God. I love how Max Lucado writes in one of his works, he says, because of the resurrection, Everything changes. Come on, say this quote with me. Ready? One, two, three. Because of the resurrection, everything changes. Death changes. It used to be the end. Now it's the beginning. Yeah, amen. What Max is saying is, you know what? Death lost its fear a long time ago. That used to be the final sting. But now it's the beginning of eternity with Christ in this new life. This new life, this new day, this new walk, this new freedom. Here's such a cool gospel truth about the resurrection of the Lord. Let me just, let me just straight up say it. This is what separates Christianity from every other world religion. It's the reality that Jesus rose from the grave and he lives now in us. So the same power that rose Christ is the same power in you. Can you believe it? No, literally. Can you? I want... I, can you believe? I want you to believe it. <laughs> Let me show it to you. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, Paul now is, is writing. He's, he's writing these things because we need to be reminded of them on the daily. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, amen, lives in you. Wow. Man. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living Within you, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So here's one of the things I want you to stop doing. I want you to get the word can't out of your vocabulary. Man, I can't stop looking. I can't stop taking. I just can't defeat this thing. The spirit of Christ lives in you. Yes, you can. That's true. Think gospel. Stop thinking sinful. Stop thinking worldly. Stop thinking limited. When Christ, There's no greater historical moment in the world than Jesus rising from the dead. Right? Can you think of something bigger and better to top that? I mean, the fact that Jesus, like, he told everybody, he's like, on three days, I'm going to rise. And they were like, we'll see. And then he did. Like he really did. That's why we celebrate Easter. But one of the things we do poorly as Christians is we only celebrate Easter one day of the year. We should be saying happy Easter every day. 
Like, hey, what's up, Joey? Happy Easter, bro. Hey, Pastor Dean, happy Easter, man. Hey, Jen, good to see you. Happy Easter, right? They'd be like, what are you talking about? Jesus rose from the grave, and I rose too today. Heart, happy Easter, heart. Mind, happy Easter. Think gospel. Think new. Think kingdom. Think gospel. The world will try to transform your thinking into thinking that you can't. But Jesus says, I can, Paul said, I can do, what it, I can, y'all know the verse? I can do, say it, I can do all things. How do you say I can do all things? Well, because when you got a God that rose from the grave living in you, what can't you do? I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm talking about the same things that I hope we're talking about. We're walking in Jesus. That's, that's our churches named after Colossians 2, 6, as you received the spirit that rose Christ from the dead, as you received him, so walk in him, that means I'm walking in the, I'm, I'm walking in the resurrection. I'm walking in the resurrection. The resurrection, he is our living hope. Jesus Christ is our living hope. Think gospel. Think Jesus. Think cross. Think resurrection. And finally, lastly, I would say think of his return. Think of his return that Jesus is going to make do on all of his promises he promised us he's going to return let me show it to you in John 14 verse 3 he says if I go and prepare a place for you which is pretty strong Jesus is like I'm preparing a place for us happens on the cross he's the way he's the truth he's the life he says i will come again and i will take you to myself can i just bold this really quick i want to highlight this i I will come again and i will take you to myself think about this verse a lot on your dark days on your days where you may feel and experience depression which is a very real thing it is and sometimes the only thing that you can say to that real spirit, that real feeling is this. I know he'll come back and he'll take me to himself. And Jesus says that where I am, you may be also. That God says, I don't want you to be in eternity by yourself. I want you to be there with me and with us. And that's why we do groups and that's why we see one another. And that's why we do church because Jesus says, I want you to be there also. I want us to be there together to begin to think gospel. Thinking gospel is thinking about Jesus' return. That Jesus died, he lived, he, he was born, he lived, he died, he ascended, and he is coming back again. The, the, the only instruction that Jesus gives in the gospels about when he says, I'm coming back, and then he follows it up with these two words, don't sleep. And now he wasn't saying physically because sleep is a gift from God. It's a good gift from God. God will put you to sleep, you know. He, 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 he gives us sleep. But what he was saying is there's an ag- exaggeration. Don't get caught sleeping. Like, you know what? I've heard multiple people tell me this. You know what? I'm going to do that Jesus thing later in life. You sleeping. You're slipping. I wouldn't. And plus, what a miserable thing anyway. You could, you could have the resurrection Christ live in you. You're going to turn that down? that's a bad bet I want I'll take Jesus in me through me around me for me all day any day we're getting ready to close 
I love what Martin Luther says, this great reformer. Would you take a picture of this? We're going to post it on social media. Um, but I think you need to, 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 come on, everybody, let's say this out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Live as if Christ died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back tomorrow. What if we all did that? I like it. What if we all just said, you know what? I'm going to live today as if Jesus Christ died on, for me yesterday, died on the cross. I'm going to think cross today. And you know what? I'm going to live like he rose this morning. I'm going to think like that. And not only that, I'm going to think and live like he is coming back tomorrow. What would you do? They should do a reality show on people who, you know, what if Jesus was coming back tomorrow? What would you do? What would you do? Hopefully, you wouldn't do anything different. You keep living the Christian life. Because you know him today, and if you don't know him today, get to know him today. You're not getting introduced into a religion. You're getting introduced to the gospel, which changes the way we think. You change the way you think, you'll change the way you live. Our thinking drives what we do. It's actually triggers from the brain that told my hand to snap. You change the way you think. You'll change the pattern and course of your life. I want to close right now by uh, telling you that Jesus gave us, he gave us a spoon feed on how to think gospel. There's an easy way for the, the local church to think gospel. I'm actually going to have our worship team come up as we get prepared to close. We're going to respond in a time of song and praise. There's an easy way that God has given us to think gospel. And it's, it's what we call here at Walk Church communion. The Bible also refers to it as the Lord's Supper. And communion, the Lord's Supper, is, an, is, is really, all it is, is reminding us to think gospel. Did you know that? It's just saying, hey, you and I should think gospel. Here's what the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus talks about thinking gospel. He does so in this way. He says, he took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What does do this in remembrance of me mean? It means think gospel. Remember the cross. Remember the resurrection. Remember he's coming again. Think gospel. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. That's why we say that the, the communion tables are for those people who have experienced the new covenant. In other words, they have received the death of Jesus. They've received the life of Jesus. They've received the resurrection of Jesus. And now they're people of the gospel. They're saying, hey, you know what? When I go to the table, I don't just go to the table flippantly. I don't just go to the table uh, um, very uncaring or like it's just a routine I don't approach the table like that I approach the table carefully thinking gospel because when you approach the table you're thinking about the cross you're thinking about Jesus body broken for you you're thinking about Jesus blood spilled for you you're thinking about the empty grave in the empty tomb I remember when Nina and I went to Israel and we showed up at the garden tomb in Jerusalem Jesus isn't there, y'all. He's not. He's really not. It's open. You can like walk in it. He's not there. 
When you go to the tables, think Jesus, think gospel, think kingdom, think cross, think new. And then when you, when you get all that, when you receive all that, when you begin to feel all that, you begin to feel his forgiveness, you feel his grace, you feel his love, you feel his mercy, you feel forgiven, you feel like, you know what, I don't want to sin anymore. Get that sin away from me. Then you're ready to partake. The tables don't save you. The tables remind you of the Savior. Amen? So we, may we never approach this lightly. Paul says some have approached the table carelessly and died. Wow. Not saying that that's going to happen to you. I'm just saying it happened before in history. This is a very special time that the church gets to celebrate together. So the invitation is for the believers to approach the table as after I pray. Um, today, if you're not a believer in Jesus or you have sin in your life that you're not willing to repent of, you're, you're basically saying, you know what? I'm not going to stop doing it. I know, Pastor Hyden, you gave a good word. It was compelling, but not enough for me to stop sinning in this specific thing. Then I would say maybe hold off from the table as well. Um, that would be an opportunity for you to receive the invitation to receive Jesus today. To say, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to put my faith in you. And I'm going to trust the Lord. Let me give you one last verse as I lead into prayer. It's found in the book of Romans, chapter 10. And here's what Romans 10 says. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, think resurrection, amen, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I want to lead you in an opportunity to do that right now. Would you bow your head and pray with me?